0: Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor Kenny and I talk through how we approach the end of a sermon series. And we expand our discussion on Galatians chapter five, the work of the Holy Spirit, and his producing a fruit in our lives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Welcome back to Armchair Preaching. This is our fifth episode in our podcast and excited to have Pastor Kenny back with us after a week away. Yes. Fishing.
1: Yep, yep. I had the opportunity to go fishing up in North Carolina with a good friend and yeah. it was a good
0: week. That's awesome. Yep. Always a good idea to break away, unplug a little bit. Give us a chance to test out our uh, technological skills in calling you in to the podcast last week, which wor- worked out all right. Yeah, so it was fine. yeah, and uh, not only fifth episode of our podcast, but also the fifth episode or fifth week, I should say, in our series in Galatians, and our final week yeah. in the series in Galatians. And um, one of the things I want to kind of jump off with or, or jump into before we get into the content of uh, Galatians 5 and 6 is to talk a little bit about how to close out a series, or, or what what we do when we are looking at closing out a series. And so, Kenny, tell me a little bit about your approach to the end of a series, and what your concerns are, what what you hope to do as you intro that last message.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little tricky because, you know, we've been in the content five weeks in a row straight, um, and many of the our congregants have been in the series as well every week, but not everybody who's there on the final week has been there either for any of the weeks or at least for all of them. And so you're always trying to figure out how much do you go back and at least uh, recover some of the things that you've covered um, so that people can at least have enough context so that the last message... Has the kind of impact that you want it to have, and so that's to me that's always a delicate balance: is how much do you go back and and cover old ground uh, to make your points?
0: Yeah, especially when you're dealing with a book like Galatians, which is is an, is a relatively short book. We've talked about this, but just so much mm-hmm. content. And uh, when I look at kind of recapping, especially a book like Galatians, when there's so much, and there's also there's there's teaching and there's metaphor and there's real world conflict that's gone on. Uh, You really just have to say, okay, what is the 36,000 foot view of, you know, the book itself? And how does it, how does it get us into this fifth week where we have a very specific message that that needs to be approached? Um, but it does tie into the whole. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to go back to the whole. Um, you know, and f- for me, I think one of the challenges is, I don't, and you tell me what you think and what, is, I, like we we have been in this for five weeks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you kind of feel like, Man, I've said this before, yeah, you know, which you which we have, yeah, but
1: yeah, so yeah, I, so I, for me, the thing is, is are other people thinking what I'm thinking, which is that how many times have I said this? Are they getting, is the sound so redundant that it's it's lost its meaning? Yeah. But if you think about it, the, the hope is that you do have people on the last uh, uh, sermon of the series who've never been, never been to our church or never mm. been to any church, and so you get the privilege of preaching uh, to them for the first time you hope that's there but it it does it just it just means you've got to be thoughtful about that yeah uh to what all the dynamics in the room are and you know it's just challenging especially if you got a limited amount of time to preach how much time do you devote to that
0: absolutely and and i think you know this goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago which is this idea of audience and and not even audience between um you know like a classic audience or uh you know modern worship audience but really people that have been there more often than they've not been there and then the very first-time person you know and maybe even an unbeliever yeah. you know maybe someone who for, for them this isn't just the first time they've been to our church this might be the first time that they've been to any church mm-hmm. or the first time they've been to a church or the you know in a long long while and so uh, balancing your seasoned believers your seasoned followers of Jesus Christ Versus those who are really just on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a real challenge. Yeah, and
1: I think if you don't do that, then those people feel like this isn't a place for them. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So you have to you 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 must have to know everything about the Bible to be a part of this church because the pastor assumes everybody knows everything. Yeah. And so I think that can be that can kind of repel new people if if you don't do a little bit of background and catch people up. So it's important. Yeah.
0: Well, you and I really have talked about this a lot, too, the importance of choosing language that is um, accessible mm-hmm. but not dumbing down. Yeah. And church churches, I'm going to say churches, we as Christians are notorious for creating or for using jargon. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially in a week like this where we are dealing with um, – you know, very difficult uh, kind of concept of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, you're talking about Trinitarian relationship, you're talking about not just words but concepts that are really can yeah. can be very very difficult. Um, so w- what is your approach to kind of thinking through accessibility versus not dumbing down the message for those folks?
1: Well, I think it, it to me, dumbing down um, or compromising would be where if you back off or try to avoid something that the Bible says that's hard or that's difficult or that challenges you in some way, and if you think, well, I don't want to offend people or I just want to be a really popular preacher, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb that down and not let it have the edge or not let it have the ambiguity that's there. That that's one thing, but to to say. I just want to be aware of who's in the room, and if there are people in the room who have not been to church ever or who left the church a long time ago because they were hurt or disillusioned in some way um, or come from other faith backgrounds, um, it's an act of love for me as a pastor to try to figure out, are are there ways that I could turn that phrase just slightly differently that would make it? accessible to that person they might something they might have an aha moment where Mm -hmm. i could have just went with the straight churchy everybody who's been in church their whole life would get it if i say it this way but just taking that one extra step to say yeah but if i just turn a phrase just slightly a little bit different then maybe the person who's not been in church or doesn't have a bible background might get it and then then they both can get it so it's Mm -hmm. not as if i'm you know you're You're compromising. You're just being a little more thoughtful, which actually takes a lot more effort.
0: Yeah, one and one of the prime examples in this series is just how we talk about Paul, the 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 author of this this book, this letter. Um, You and I both. uh, It's funny because you know, talking through this each week, I've I've really been listening for certain phrase phraseology. You and I both rarely refer to Paul as the apostle. Mm -hmm. Um, He is an apostle. But that is such a word. It's a biblical word, but it's such a word that to explain it would have to, to would really, really have to be part of the, the the core of the message. And in this case, really, what's what matters is that Paul's a church leader. Mm-hmm. He's just he's for the the sake of the audience. He's a church leader and what we've called a church planter, start, which is what he does. He was an yeah. apostle to the Gentile people. But you and I have both been very conscious, not to say that we haven't set called him the apostle Paul entirely, one hundred percent. But you, more often than not, we've we've called him a church leader, mm-hmm. and that's that's a prime example of that. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's get into this week because we did have a lot to cover potentially, and uh, we both really, even though it's Galatians five and six, we both really honed in on Galatians five this mm-hmm. week. Um, let's talk about the idea the kind of the kickoff idea in Galatians chapter five. Uh, he, he says very clearly verse one, Paul, uh, says for freedom, Christ has set us free stand firm. Therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So the, when people think of the book of Galatians, you say, well, what is the book of Galatians to say? It's the book about freedom, Mm -hmm. right? But this is really the verse that kind of kicks that off or really that. Not that he, he's talked about freedom in the past, but this is like the totality of Jesus Christ's work for us is to set us free. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the concept of Christian freedom. Um, like, like, how do people, how do you, have you seen people approach freedom, some of the, the ways in which it gets really misunderstood and distorted, and then how we can really reallocate that in a positive way?
1: well in particular when you get into a book that talks so much about grace and about how the it's the law that has held us in bondage and held mm-hmm. us captive what happens is is people then begin to say oh, okay well we're not we're not bound or obligated to obey the law to achieve salvation therefore what real freedom must mean is it's freedom uh, it's it, it's it's a freedom that's completely separated uh, from the law. Yeah. So people, when you talk about cheap grace or people mm-hmm. who live with license, yeah. um, that that's what they think it means. It means the freedom to not have to think anymore about the kind of life God would have me live. Yeah. And that's not where Paul is getting at at all. I, yeah. I liked how you phrased it yesterday. You said it was a freedom from something and a freedom to something. Yeah. It's a freedom from achieving trying to achieve salvation by the law, um, but it's the freedom to then be compelled and empowered by the Spirit to live the beauty of the law, yeah. that, that the law itself is beautiful, mm-hmm. we just could never do it. We're yeah. now, because of the gift of the Spirit, we're actually able to uh, love the law and mm-hmm. want to obey the law, not to achieve salvation, but because of the beauty of God's law. Yeah
0: well you you said it there for a second. It's the difference between Christian freedom is not license. Mm-hmm. you know he even talks about don't don't use your freedom uh, to indulge the flesh, yeah. right so people say, well, and I think um you know Paul says it elsewhere, uh if I'm free, you know, should I sin? should I sin that grace may abound all the more yeah and he goes with really strong Greek language, absolutely not because. That's contrary to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you really honed in yesterday on the idea of freedom tied to the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the work of the Holy Spirit is really not something that we, especially in Presbyterian kind of faith, we or yeah. tradition, we don't think about the work of the Holy Spirit a whole lot, or at least we don't. We don't feel like we sh- we do so you don't come from a Presbyterian background. You Mm -hmm. come from a background that is a lot more typically tied to the understanding of the Holy Spirit. So talk about how you were raised, you were raised in assemblies of God. Talk about how you were raised the view of the Holy Spirit versus what you see in our tradition, in the Presbyterian tradition, and how Paul kinda talks about it a little bit more.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the things uh, that, that ended up on the cutting room floor. I actually had, in as yeah. I was writing the sermon, I was going to talk a little bit about the fact that I was raised in a Pentecostal Assembly of God churches where um, the Holy Spirit was very much... Kind of central to our experience of faith, and uh, and in some ways to a fault, to an extreme. I saw a lot of abuses. I saw a lot of. I did mention the fact that we've seen weird things. Yeah, people have said and done weird things and blamed it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> blamed on um, <him. laughs> But I could have. I, I could have given a, a lot about that. Um, but what I would have also said, had I said it in the sermon, was I would have said, but I'm also very grateful. Yeah. because what I did see was a very lively and dynamic and active view of God yeah who's always on the move and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit's always doing something um, whereas in our tradition I think we um, it also has strengths and weaknesses but I think we've always kind of drifted and tended to gravitate towards truth yeah um, uh, we've we're, we're very good at, at the theology of salvation the theology mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. as father and that sort of thing but the Holy Spirit, tends to be neglected mm-hmm. i don't know necessarily you would say always neglected in practice but certainly neglected in the way people think about their faith
0: mm-hmm. well the irony is I, when i i also was not raised in a presbyterian tradition um i was raised in the united methodist tradition which it tends to have a which ha, which is kind of the precursor to some of the the early pentecostal movements as mm-hmm. well too so there's a little bit more of an elevation of the holy spirit the irony for me was when I came to a seminary into Presbyterianism. Uh, I read uh, something that called John Calvin the theologian of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which was very odd to me because I had that my background to this. I not not in the church traditions I was in, but in, definitely in my undergrad, I spent a lot of time with Pentecostal folks and and was in prayer circles with Pentecostals where things things got got a little fun mm-hmm. you know there was there was the laughing and the you know the speaking in tongues and and mm-hmm. it was very different and then to hear John Calvin mentioned as a theologian of the Holy Spirit when you go back and read it you're like, oh wait a minute, his view of the Holy Spirit or the the way he thinks about or talks about the Holy Spirit really has a lot more to do with the sanctification process mm-hmm. um, or the process by which we become uh, more and more, um, reflected of the uh, reflective of the image of Jesus Christ or Him, you don't come to faith in Jesus Christ without the inworking of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, the whole the whole idea the whole uh, idea of our our sinfulness blocks us on our own from approaching God because we just won't do it.
1: Yeah. So that had more to do with the role of the Holy Spirit in salvation, yeah. Versus the Holy Spirit uh, as someone who equips with gifts, yeah. Um, or in this case, who bear well. In this, I guess you're right. In, in terms of sanctification, you do have that here in Paul's letter with the idea that the fruits of the Spirit are the ways, uh, are the ways in which we do become more like Christ. These yeah. are the characteristics. Yeah. But
0: we've always kind of, I think a lot of folks have kind of tended to think of the Spirit's work in the charismatic gifts. Yeah. You know the the speaking in tongues the prophecy the interpretation some of those kind of Mm -hmm. those um yeah dramatic dramatic i was going to call them fireworks kind of gifts of the holy spirit where paul talks about and 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 those are also pauline right paul talks about those things too yeah but here it's fruit yeah um so let's uh let's unpack some of that you really spent a lot more time on the fruit of the spirit than i did Mm -hmm. um so Let's talk through that a little bit. What's been your understanding of the fruit of the Spirit and and how that plays out in the life of uh, a follower of Jesus Christ?
1: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think if you're raised in the church and you hear that kind of language, and this is one of those that I, I can remember, a flannel graph uh, with the different fruits <laughs> yeah. of the Spirit, yeah. you know, all positioned up on the flannel graph board. Um, it, I, I think I grew up thinking, well, that just means that you become nice. yeah. Like somehow they all get collapsed R- in reduction. Yeah, yeah, just to, okay, it just means that the Spirit's going to make you a nice person. Yeah. And so I think the, you know, to, to get into Paul's mindset is why did he pick each of those words? Yeah. Um, and, and what did he mean by each one of them? And then to think that these are characteristics and qualities that the Holy Spirit is always actively trying to produce these in us. Mm-hmm. That's just a, such a neat thought to yeah. think that. Um, you know that 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 he wants to make us this kind of a person, and you just think through the practical implications. Of if I were more loving, yeah, what would happen in my marriage? If I was more patient with my kids? If mm-hmm. I was, you know, uh, more faithful and steadfast in my friendships with uh, with people who don't know Christ? It just it, you start thinking about the implications, and it just moves way out of the category of he just wants to make you a nice person.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it frees us to be to be for other people what Christ has been for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. we're free to be loving and forgiving uh, because Christ has been loving and forgiving for to us. Yep. And the the difficult thing, I think, when, when we're talking through and preaching through this is this idea that these are not... This is... Well, I said this a little bit in my message, but if, this is not a bait and switch, right? Mm-hmm. This is not... You know, when I, before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I would see the, the works of the flesh list that Paul uses in Galatians 5. You know, the works of the flesh are, flesh are obvious, and then he goes through these things. And um, I remember the first time I read that, I was thinking, the word orgy is in the Bible. That was weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then he, so he has this list of don'ts and then this seemingly a list of do's and it felt like, wait a minute, you just said I was free from the law and it seems like you've just given me a list of don'ts and a list of do's. But understanding this is not about us bearing down and white knuckling our Mm -hmm. righteousness. This is about relying on the work of the spirit in us. And he uses those phrases, walk in the spirit, led by the spirit and it's the natural outgrowth, the fruit of the spirit. Um, the problem is practically, how Mm -hmm. do you, how is a person do something and yet it not be them doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? So let's talk about the practical side of that. Um, what do you feel like it means to walk or be led by the spirit such that the fruit is a natural outgrowth of our relationship to the spirit's work in our lives?
1: Well, I think it has to start with even just an awareness that he exists and it's a he, he's not an it. It's a person. I think sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit as if as if he's a, some kind of a force mm-hmm. or a power versus he's a he's a person of the Trinity. So just, just having that as a category in your mind and then beginning to 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 really by faith know and believe that he's active, that he's working. Here are some of the things that he wants to do in you. Um you're you're much more able then to say well what would it what would it mean for me to cooperate with him as he's going about this work in my life yeah and so you know in my sermon yesterday i just talked about a couple simple practices of mm-hmm. a, of beginning the day with a simple prayer that's a prayer acknowledging the holy spirit prayer yeah. to the holy spirit mm-hmm. to say I know you've got work you want to do in me and through me, and so I just want you to know I, I want to be available to you today. Yeah, Like that just changes the way you go about the day. Yeah. You start looking for him like, oh, okay, he's, you know, wow, he really helped me in that conversation. Yeah. He really helped me in that moment of conflict to be patient or to be loving or to listen better. Um, so I think that, you know, I think that's one of the things, but there are lots of other practices mm-hmm. that could have been talked about that throughout the centuries Christians have engaged in these practices that kind of open them up more to the reality of the Spirit in their life.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and yesterday, I think uh, in in my message, I, I really focused in on what are the things that we do that pull us away from the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I always think of that image of my children walking.
1: Right? Oh, I love that. That was such a cool illustration.
0: I mean, because we he talks about walking with the Spirit, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking walking with the spirit is god's condescension his bending down to us just like when we are trying to teach our kids to walk and and we're we're reaching down and they're holding our hands but inevitably they will pull mm-hmm. away to try to do it on their own and and inevitably they will fall down yeah and i focus really on practically what do you do that pulls you away that you, that is your your you know actual pulling from the hands of God because God's hands are there the Holy Spirit is there and but like you said I think the the really awesome thing is this is a person not an it because I I do I fall in that trap I Mm follow the trap of not thinking that the Holy Spirit is person Mm -hmm. like 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 a personal being, not just the power force or whatever mm-hmm. um, that enables me to do something. But yeah, also, and it's not
1: that he just works for the father either. We almost think of right. like, how yeah, he's just a little helper, little buddy. Right. <laughs> you know, he's God's little buddy doing stuff for him <laughs> as opposed to, you know, he is a member of an equal member of the Trinity. So, yeah.
0: Uh, and all the power that is not just, not just that he is power, but that it is, he is, he is for us mm-hmm. in a way like he has gifts to give us. You know, like the 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 Son gives the gift of salvation. You know, you, the Father gives us that gift of life. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of these fruit, this mm-hmm. fruit, so that we can be more and more conformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And it's just such a powerful image mm-hmm. to think God is so for me that He actually is is willing to be in me and mm-hmm. around me and motivate me and and direct me and lead me yeah i just don't think we marvel enough no. at that concept
1: and if you have that concept then then it's so much easier to say do i want to cooperate with him or do i want to resist that yeah and then the the walking and the spirit are being led by it. it's just learning how to cooperate and depend so when you when you gave that illustration about your kids learning how to walk i thought you know, in parenting, that's actually what you want to see is your kids get independent yeah, more and more because, you know, one day they're going to need to be adults mm. and, and live on their own. So you love to see those acts of independence because it yeah. means progress. Yeah. In the spiritual life, it's just the opposite. Yeah. The longer you walk with God, you want to learn how to be more dependent, yeah. not independent. Absolutely. And I think that walking in the spirit really challenges our tendency to want to be independent. Yeah. We don't want to say we have to wait on Him or or walk in Him, you know.
0: And the thing that's interesting about th- this these the, these two lists, Paul uses lists uh, a few times in his letters, is it gives us real practical ways to see when we when we are and when we're not. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I get a little annoyed because people want us, I think, sometimes to preach through each and every individual part of every single list that we come to, and maybe we maybe we should. But sometimes it's more of an overall kind of, look, this is, these, this is not hard to understand. Yeah, I mean, there are nuances there that I, I think you really brought out, especially in your converse, in, in your uh, ex- explanation of the term goodness, that idea of integrity is really at the heart of that. But really, mo- a lot of those things that you you see, they're pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, am I Am I the loving—in in this situation, in this day, in this interaction, am I the loving person I, I could be? And if I'm not, it's not me that's got to work harder. It's me that's got to rely more on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, we, we don't need to preach a sermon and give you a whole sermon on every single one of those points. It's enough just to highlight it and say, look, read mm-hmm. for yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and even Paul says, and you pointed out, that at the end of the list of the acts of the, of the flesh— He says, and things like this or and so on or et cetera, which is basically saying, I'm giving, I've just kind of gotten you started, but you you should be able to see these are the things that come from living um, independent from God and pursuing the flesh. Yeah. This is the kind of thing you see.
0: Let's talk for just a second about this. Um, That list, and then he he uses that things like these, it, it makes it seem like, which I think is right, that these actions should be obvious to us. Uh, the actions of the flesh are obvious. What do you? What do we do? Or how do we approach those sorts of things in a day and age in which people would maybe scoff that that the works of the flesh or the or the the sinful works or whatever are obvious? Mm-hmm. I mean, talk a little bit about that. Um,
1: well, one of the things I think that Paul assumes, even though he's coaching them and teaching them and, and kind of helping expand their mind on who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in them, Paul doesn't doubt that the Holy Spirit is in them already. Yeah. He, be- he believes they are of people of faith, their sons and daughters. And so that's why he's just really trying to get them to the point of living in their freedom. So I think he can say to them, You know the works of the flesh. They're obvious, not because you're so insightful, but because the Holy Spirit lives in you, Mm -hmm. and he bears witness when you're deviating from the path. So I think it's different if you're saying, um, are we having a conversation with people who don't know Christ or people in the culture about this? Yeah, there'd probably be quite a bit of disconnect because there's not a commonality. But you'd hope that people of faith in whom the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us, that as we have conversations about it, it is a little more obvious. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's dealing with people as believers versus mm-hmm. de- dealing with people as unbelievers. And I think one of the challenges for Christians and, and followers of Jesus Christ is not to treat uh, non-believers like believers first, mm-hmm. right? Expect, I think sometimes we fall in the trap of expecting behavior and change in life before the agent of change has been introduced in yeah. their life. Jesus Christ, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in them to, yeah. to, to, to work and to act. So yeah, I think dead on. Well, um, this has been a fun series. I look yep. forward to uh, the next set of series we jump into and, and that we're going to talk through. And um, uh, it's been really fun. So thanks for hanging out again, Kenny. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And again, if you have missed any one of our podcast uh, episodes, I encourage you to go to um, our website, fpclakeland.org, and look for the Little Armchair Podcast tab at the uh, midway through the the front page, or you can check us out on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or Google Play or anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have missed any one of the preaching uh, sermons, either Kenny's or mine, um, or Brian, who, who preached in that week too, I encourage you to go to our website, fpclakeland.org, check out the sermon archives and get all caught up. Uh, we'll uh, be back with you guys uh, next week on Armchair Preaching. Thanks for joining us.